<laughs> All right, hi everyone. Once again, I'm Kiana. I'm the family pastor here. So most Sundays you can catch me downstairs with the kids, um, but occasionally I get to be up here with all of you, which is so nice. Um, and I'm just so thankful that you all are here today. I really am. I say that every single week, but I, I truly and deeply mean it. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with people who are after God's heart. It's good stuff. Um, that makes me emotional. Let's move forward. Okay, so last week, Pastor Josh kicked off a new series, The Power of Our Stories. Um, Very fancy. Yeah, so together we explored how our stories are powerful, Um, and not just powerful, but they're powerful tools that reveal how God has been and continues to work in our lives. We took a look at Revelations 12, 13, 11, um, which states, they triumph over the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Josh helped us to see and respond to the fact that our stories are not weapons. Our stories are not weapons. They're gifts, and we can share them with one another. And even more so, they are very powerful tools that the Lord uses against the enemy. Our stories, our testimonies can be found anytime we see Jesus at work, in our own lives, in the lives of others, and in the world. Today, I'm going to be sharing about partnering in the stories of children, because I'm the family pastor. You get it? You get it? Yeah? Okay, cool. (laughs) You get it? I don't often actually preach about kids up here, and so I'm really, like, this was a struggle to write because I'm like, how do you write about something that you are so desperately passionate about? All of you who got your PhDs are like, yeah, you just do it, right? (laughs) But I'm like, how do do I do this, right? Um, But I'm excited because the Bible actually says a lot of things about the kingdom of God and children, And I will say it here first, I did not write this message to compel you all to volunteer for children's ministry. I didn't. But I'm not going to lie if I didn't say that I hope the fruit from this message is that a bunch of you will be like, we're going to volunteer. Because guess what? We need volunteers. Um, And so I will just say it now, and then I will not say it again. There is a clipboard in the back of the church with a sign up, put your name, your email, your number. If you're curious, I'll get back to you this week because we need volunteers. We need people to serve the kids in our church. We need you. Um, Did you know 70% of decisions to follow Christ happen between the ages of 4 and 14? 70%, 7-0. I'm seeing some of your faces right now, and there's like a realization of like, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. We need volunteers. We need people to serve the children in our community and in other communities as well, because children, they matter. And so we're going to pray right now that... um, You all are going to take a second to think about not your schedules um, and, like, your capacity, whether you have it or not, which is very important. Um, We're not going to think about whether you like kids or not. That's important, too, with working with kids, right? We're not going to think about any of that. We're actually just going to think about what the Spirit is doing. And so my ask for you all today is to just open up your hearts a little bit to what God is doing. By the end of this sermon, it may be like, yeah, maybe I should get involved. Maybe it's not, and that is okay, but I want you to pay attention to what Jesus is doing in and through you as we go through the next half hour together, okay? So let's pray. 
any posture that you like, however you like. You can close your eyes, bow your head, whatever you need in order to focus. And let's all just take a deep breath. Breathe in and breathe out. Father, you are here. You are moving. You are with us. Lord, will you just let my words be few? Would you show up? Would you meet each and every one of us exactly where we are right now? Whatever we are carrying, we lay them at your feet and we say, have it, Lord. Take it. I'm yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, let's begin. Sorry, I get emotional when I pray. It's great. Okay, so during Jesus' ministry, right, we're talking about Jesus now, right? During his ministry, he used parables or stories to teach about the kingdom of God. He only spoke plainly to his disciples in the aftermath. So in front of everyone else in the crowd, he's speaking like about these stories. And then he goes back home with his disciples and he's like, okay, so this is what this meant, okay? Um, I did not study Greek or any of that, all right? I got up to Spanish three in high school. That was about it. Um, but I, I was trying to learn some Greek this week, okay? The word parable can be broken up into two parts. The first is para and the second is balo. So the only way that I could make sense of this, because once again, I did not study Greek or any of that, was to think about like, okay, so para sounds like parallel, right? Who remembers ge geometry? Parallelograms, parallel. Who can tell me what parallel means? Anyone, anyone. It's okay if you're wrong, we'll just laugh at you. <laughs> Parallel. I'm telling you right now, if I asked the kids downstairs, they would be like, well, in a square, da 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 da. You guys need to sharpen it. Josh Glab. <laughs> yes, thank you. Always next to each other and never intersecting. Thank you very much, Josh Glab. I appreciate you. So, yeah, parallel as in geometry, parallel lines. It means to put something side by side. Okay? Balo means to cast or throw, like basket. Balo, get it? <laughs> right? So clearly you are now learning. If you didn't know already, I used to be a teacher, and so I'm used to using images to help us understand and remember things. So yes, parabolo. It means to cast two images to side by side. Okay? And the cool thing about parables, though, besides all of that fancy stuff, is that it has a purpose. The purpose of casting the two stories together is to challenge you, challenge the person who's hearing it to look at the world from a different point of view. Jesus did this a lot. He actually talked a lot in parables because he wanted to challenge the people to think about the way that they had been practicing their religion, think about the way that they had been living their lives, cast it aside with the stories that he told them. And so I thought, what better way to talk about that than to actually read a story? So I'm going to read a story to you all and you all are going to practice active listening by challenging yourselves to look at the world from a different point of view. The question I want you to consider is, where are you in this story? 
Are you the children? Are you the mustard seed? Are you the ground? Or are you anything else? I have found that no matter how old you are, there's just something really nice about someone reading a picture book to you. Right? You see, some of you are giggling, right? I remember when I was teaching sixth grade and I like popped out a picture book and they were all like mean mugging, like, Miss Joseph, we're grown. Why would you do this? Two pages in, they were like, oh my goodness, this is the best story ever, right? So you all are not sixth graders, you all are grown-ups, but I think that there's something beautiful that we can learn from a storybook. I think if you ask any parent, there have been times when you're reading Goodnight Moon and you're reading it for the 500th time, but it like something hits and you're like, oh wait, that's special. So we're gonna do that today. We are reading The Marvelous Mustard Seed by Amy Jill Levine and Sandy Eisenberg Sasso. Okay. So it's a little video. I'm actually going to come over here. You're not going to look at me. You're going to look at the story, and I'm going to read it. It's a video. I have poor eyesight, so I'm going to be here. Okay. A child plants a mustard seed in an empty garden. It is an itty-bitty seed. It isn't anything very special yet. Mustard seeds are so small that you have to look hard to see them. You have to look so hard to see them that you need to get really close. There's not much to be done with a single teeny weeny seed. You can't eat it or wear it. You can't take it for a walk. Or cuddle with it. You can't write or blow bubbles with it. The only thing you can do is plant it in the soil. Then the rain falls and the sun shines. And then things begin to happen in the earth. But no matter how hard you look or how close you get, you can't see the tiny seed. The seed is hidden, down with the moles, down, down with the ants, down, down, down with the earthworms. Then it happens. In the place of the little bitty seed, up comes a shoot. Up, up comes a sprout. Up, up, up comes a bush. But it doesn't stop there. It grows and it grows and it grows until it becomes a humongous tree. Birds make their nest there. The neighbors exclaim, a mustard tree? Amazing! Birds resting there? Surprising. People enjoying the shade? Unbelievable. Acorns grow into big oak trees. Cedars have trunks that you can't fit your arms around. Mustard plants are just ordinary bushes. But not this one. This one is a mustard tree. You don't have to look hard or get really close to see it. It is right in front of you.
Some people touch it to make sure it is real. Others sit under its branches. They take the pods from the trees and remove the seeds and make spices. They take the mustard leaves and the seeds and make medicine. The spices and the medicine are there for everyone. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed in the garden, right outside our windows, growing from teeny weeny itty bitty to colossal, from, I can't read that, to unable to miss. The tree is so gigantic, it's a wonder. It is not at all what we expect to find, and yet there it is, surprising us, helping us to imagine what can be. But isn't yet. All right, thank you, Judy. Okay, so. You guys are very calm. Wasn't that nice for someone to read a story to you? Isn't that just really nice? Some of you are just like, wow, I miss my mom, right? Um, good. It's a very sweet story. We read tons of those downstairs in Sprouts. If you have not made the connection yet from this story, it is based on the parable of the mustard seed, which comes up three times in the New Testament. At this point in Jesus' story, he is going around and sharing what the kingdom of God is like. He makes many similes um, about the kingdom of God being like a mustard seed, like yeast, like a farmer sowing seeds, like hidden treasure, and a lot more. In Matthew 13, 31 to 32, it says, He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Mark 4, 30 to 32. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet... When planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in the shade. And then again, in Luke 13, 18 to 19, then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree and the birds perched in its branches. Although there are slight differences in each retelling, which we know happens when we hear from different point of views, right? The message is still the same. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, a small seed that when planted, it grows to become something so large that it provides for even beings in the same ecosystem. It's not just a little bush, big tree. We can look at this parable in many different ways. The seeds can represent the stories we are sowing into the lives of children. It can represent the stories of children themselves or even something else. I'd be curious to hear from all of you while I was reading which character, your quotes on that, would resonate with you the most. Did you feel like you were more like the seed? 
Did you feel like you were more like the, the tree than that grew? Were you the kids who were planting them, etc.? It'd be very interesting, so talk about it amongst yourselves later on. Um, but whatever you choose to resonate with, there is no denying that the kingdom of God in this parable starts off small and it grows. It seems that it is important to make that connection that whatever is sown has the potential to grow into something significant. I want to break away from the metaphor for a bit because we can get very much lost in metaphors and similes. But I, and I'm going to speak plainly because I am not nuanced like Jesus, right? Jesus, he could speak in parables. I cannot. So here we go. This is Kiana talk now. I'm chatting with all of you. And there is no judgment in what I'm about to say, okay? And I'm saying that because you'll see. Some of you here don't like kids. Thank you, Sinclair, for laughing. It's okay, <laughs> right? Some of you don't like kids. And it's okay to admit that. It is very much okay. I mean, I chose a career in taking care of kids, and I'll be the first one to say, it's a lot. Children can be a handful, especially, James is like, yes, especially when they're not your own, right? Like, that's just very true. Um, I remember when I was doing an internship um, at a school in this neighborhood, and I, a part of the internship was that at any moment, you could be called to a different floor. So although I was stationed with the fourth and fifth graders, at any moment, I could be like with the third graders or the second graders. It was chaos and beautiful and such a great experience. But without a shadow of a doubt, any time they said, Kiana, you have to go to kindergarten, I would cry. <laughs> and I would say, no, please no. Because I knew for a fact, like clockwork, three days later, I would be sick with a cold. Right? Because kids, somebody's snapping. Well, yes, <laughs> yes. Because kids are gross, okay? There are so many germs. So I just wanted to put it out there that there is no judgment. This could be a safe space where we talk about this, all right? We love kids here. I cherish kids, but let's just, let's put it plain as day. Kids can be a lot. But I think whether you like kids or not, whether you have them or not, or whether you are around kids or not, you, yes, you, are part of their stories. You being here, you being part of this community means that you have a responsibility to honor, to care, to respect, and to participate in the sowing of seeds and the lives of children here. Every time we have a baby dedication, we as a church together, we stand up and we stand as witnesses, and we dedicate ourselves and pray a blessing over the family that's choosing to raise their kid alongside us. And as a community, we make a commitment to help teach and model God's love to these little kids. Because that is the work of the church. We don't just come to church to sing songs. This is the work of the church. That is the work of the kingdom. Every time we interact with children, we must ask ourselves, are we sowing good seeds that will eventually grow into something beautiful? Are we sowing seeds of faith, of compassion and patience, of wisdom and truth? Are we sowing the most important seed, God's love? Knowing that we are loved makes a difference. I'm going to say that again. Knowing that we are loved makes a difference. 
I want you to think about your own childhood. We all have very different experiences, but yet we're all here together. And for some of us, the memories of our formational years are beautiful and bring joy and happiness. And for some of us, that is not true. And whether you were aware of it or not, in your childhood, God was with you, and he loved you. He was with you, and he loved you when you had won the third grade spelling bee. And he was with you, and he loved you when you got that perfect bike for Christmas and crashed it the next week, <laughs> right? He was with you and loved you when you were bullied and when you were the bully. He was with you and loved you when you hid in your closet to avoid the wrath of an abusive parent. And he was with you and he loved you when you discovered that the world was so much bigger than you ever thought it could be. God was with you and he loved you. God is with you and he loves you. That is our story, church. The story that all of us in this room share that God is with us and he loves us. Regardless of our circumstances, our lives have been marked by God's love. But did we know that then? Did we know that God was with us and that he loved us? Did we know that there was this God who was actually pursuing us? <laughs> For some of us, yes. And for others, once again, no. And I think questions like this are really hard to answer because we all come from different places. So we can't play that game of what if, you know, and then what if, we can't do that. But I think I can confidently say that yes, it makes a difference. It makes a difference when we know that we're loved. Knowing that we are loved makes us in such a way that we show up into the world in a different way. There's more confidence. Right? We remain confident, not in false um, ideologies or in like false positivity, but confident in the fact that we have a faithful God who kneels down besides us, who hears our prayers, who weeps with us, who walks with us. We serve a God who walks in the fire with us. We serve a God who died for us. And didn't just stay dead, but he got up. He got up again so that we could live again. I think knowing that, knowing this good news of Jesus Christ, actually just makes us show up differently in the world. I think it matters. I think that the difference between knowing Jesus and not, whether that math test is stressing you out or not in the seventh grade, that's going to come and go. We all get stressed out from tests. But I think knowing that God hears your prayers and is on your side that matters, and that is important. And I think that when we know that God loves us and we know about his good news, it changes us from the inside out, right? We get to this point after we, like, know the gospel of Jesus Christ and this good news that we want to, like, go alongside other people and tell them about it because it's something that we can't contain. We cannot actually just know this good news that there's this God who actually died for us, who actually walks with us, this God that is good and faithful and trustworthy, 
I don't think we can know these things and not want to like tell everyone about it. It's kind of like when you get, um, I remember when I got um, a new Game Boy and whew, I'm dating myself. Um, and, and I was like, oh my goodness, I've got this new Game Boy. I need to tell all my friends about it. Look at this game. I could put Mario in this slot and da 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 da. Right? It's exciting, right? Because when you have good news, you want to share it with people. And so I think when it comes to kids, knowing that they're loved, knowing that they're cherished, knowing that they are safe under the wings of our Almighty God, it matters. It just does. And I'm so thankful for the adults in my life that went alongside me in my life to like get to that point of knowing. Right? I grew up in the church. My parents are pastors. And so I grew up since I was in my mom's belly, like knowing about Jesus and like, yeah, all that, which is great. But um, in high school, I went to a non-religious boarding school. And it was great. It was an amazing experience. We can talk another day about it. But very quickly, um, within my first week of being there, the two Spanish teachers on campus and the algebra teacher who were Christians brought me to the side and kind of just took me under their wings. Um, yeah, they were so great. They were like these 50-something-year-old ladies who, now in hindsight, I thought they were like really old ladies, and I'm like, no, they weren't. <laughs> like, they were in their 50s. It's fine. Um, but they took me in, and they showed me the love of God. Senora Elwood got me connected to a church where I would end up attending every single week all by myself for the next four years. And Senora Wilson, she was constantly encouraging me in my faith, um, especially when it kind of just felt far away. And Miss Walters, who would later pass from breast cancer, um, I had no clue that she was going through what she was going through. And yet, every single week, she would just remind me that my present suffering about my grades, um, that it meant something, that God heard me, and that present suffering was for God's greater glory. That's important. These women were my safe people as I embarked on a journey away from my family and friends. And they were my safe people not because they cared about me. I mean, I had plenty of teachers and adults around that cared about me and took care of me, and it was great. But they were my safe people because those were the grown-ups in my life that constantly reminded me that God loved me and that he was with me. What if we could be the Senora Elwoods and the Senora Wilsons and Miss Walters, the ones who partnered with Jesus to share and remind the little ones that God is with them and that he loves them, that no matter what they have done or has been done to them, and no matter who they are, the fact that God is with them and he loves them is what matters. I think if we were to do that, all of us, we'd be part of facilitating some pretty cool encounters with Jesus. We'd be bringing the kingdom of God, right? This kingdom that we were talking about earlier, the kingdom of God, we'd be bringing it here on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to be clear, I already see that. I see that here in our community. Every time we respect a child, not for who they're going to become, but actually just for who they are, I see the kingdom of God. I see that kingdom work. I think if you've ever felt like in church, like, man, this church is like dry or like, I don't know, like this seems like a desert season in the church, you're not paying attention to kids' ministry. 
Because nine out of 10 times, that space, whatever church it is, whether it's in the basement, upstairs, across the street, whatever, it is overflowing with the goodness of God. It is overflowing with the Spirit of God. Nine out of 10 times, I'll tell you that. I'm going to share a couple more stories um, of how I saw the kingdom of God at work here at our church. Um, so the week before VBS, y'all yeah, remember VBS? Ready, set, move. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> um, I got COVID the week before that. And I was in bad shape because I was running a very high fever. Um, I was just extremely discouraged. It felt like we didn't have enough volunteers. It just felt like one of those weeks where everything is falling apart. Y'all ever have those kind of weeks where it's like, wow, this is the most important week of my life and everything's falling apart. Yeah, that's what was going on. And I was just super discouraged. Um, and in the midst of that, I had been texting back and forth with an ECV church mama whose daughter was going through something and needed prayer. And so here's a text message thread. I redacted some information. Um, so what I say in the first part is like, yeah, you know, like I'm not feeling well. Everything is terrible, blah, 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 blah. And I say, can you please ask your child to pray for me? Now, this child is four years old. But I say, can, can she please pray for me? Because I think it's important for her to know that in the same way that we show up for her in community, she can show up for us. It doesn't matter if she's four years old. It doesn't matter if she's 40 years old, right? It is the same truth. And so mom says, um, this is what happened. Miss Kiana texted me and the child hid her face because she thought that it was gonna be about the prayer request that that kid had. And the mom's like, wait, no, she has a prayer request for you because she has COVID and VBS is next week. The child came out from under the pillow, sat up, made a little emoji face, and said, but I'm a kid. <laughs> and then a beautiful conversation followed. That right there for me is seeing the kingdom at work, to see that kids, it doesn't matter how old they are, whether they're four years old, 15 that they can actually be a part of the ministry of Jesus Christ, praying for their pastors, praying for adults. Um, we see here, I love this picture, um, wow, the roots in this community. So I've been on staff for, this. I'm walking into my third year of staff. So I've been at ECV for nine years, but this is my third year going into staff. And since I have been on staff, we have baptized nine young people. That is, yeah, you can clap, right? Because that's good news, right? And it has nothing to do, let me be very clear, there's no connection to me being on staff. No, it's not about me. It's the fact that the Spirit of God is moving in these young kids. These young people were like, we want to make a public commitment and say yes to what Jesus is doing. And they chose to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. And this picture, I love it so much because after the whole entire ceremony part of the baptism was over, all of the adults, you know, we we're just chatting, walking away. We looked over, and as you can see, these are the teenagers who surrounded their friend and prayed for her. I see the kingdom of God at work even here on Sundays with our leaders, how we are empowering the young people to serve our church. We see the kids right here. This was a um, mega youth group night when they got together, but we see this on a weekly basis. We have kids who are under 16 who are faithfully serving on the worship team. And they're not just singing songs, they're actually leading all of us in worship. I see the kids on setup and teardown crew. They're using their bodies for the glory of God to like move chairs and tables. If you think that Sundays just happen, they don't. 
And I'm seeing the kingdom of God at work with these kids, even last week. So I was doing childcare, and um, there were 40 kids and one Kiana. And <laughs> that, <laughs> Seamus's face, yeah. It was, a, it was a rough one. Um, I think some of the parents saw me after my hair was like crazy and I just had like food on me. Like it was, it was, it was a mess. It was great. Um, but I saw the kingdom of God at work even in that because although it was 40 kids and one Kiana, there were also a bunch of middle schoolers who had toddlers on their hips. And there were elementary students who were helping their younger siblings cutting their, their food. And there was like a six-year-old who was like, hey, my friend over here, like she's asking for another piece of pizza, but she's nervous and she doesn't want to like tell you, right? So like we have all of this going on. We had a six-year-old who was like, I want to pray for dinner and prayed for everyone's dinner. And like even like there was another kid that came out of nowhere and they all shifted over to like make sure that the kid could sit. These simple acts are not just acts of kindness, church. Yes, we have very kind children in this community. But I don't think we're in the business of teaching kids to just be moral people. Yes, we want them to make choices that respect the earth and others and themselves. Of course, we don't want kids to litter. And we, don't, and we very much do want them to say please and thank you. And we want to teach them the importance of kindness, that when someone is getting bullied, you stick up for them. But I think that what we're actually doing is we're partnering with Jesus to raise up a generation of children who not just know about God, but who actually know him and know his voice. John 10, 27, I love this verse. It says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now, I'm, I'm not a farm girl. It's not a thing. I'm from the suburbs. Um, and I don't have, like, farm animals or anything like that. But I have a cat. Okay. Um, and that's my baby, Whitney. Love my little cat. Um, and if anyone calls her to come, she's not coming. Part of it, number one, is because she's a cat. Cats just don't do that. They're rude, right? And then, <laughs> it's just true. And then number two, it's because she doesn't know them. She doesn't know their voice. But if I call her, if I say, Whitney, come here, she's going to come to me if she's choosing not to be rude because, you know, cats are rude, um, right? But, like, she will actually come to me. So that, that example breaks down. But when we know who God is and we spend time with him and we grow in his love, we begin to discern what is God's voice and what is not. And when we begin to know that down to our core, we know that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that is living in each and every one of us. Amen, right? That is good news. And so if we're actually doing the work of sowing seeds of love into the kids, we should be seeing actually like this move very specific move where the kids, they're receiving that information just like us, and then they're responding to it. We should be able to see that move where all of a sudden they're becoming active ministry participants, that they're not just sitting here in church and like coloring and stuff. They actually like are talking to their friends about Jesus and their family members and their, all the teachers and all the people in their lives, right? I, th I think about Specifically, once again, VBS, what a time. Um, there was a specific child who brought home a flyer and brought it to school and invited her friends to come. And because of that, her friends came to VBS and had an amazing time. And then her family came to church last week. And it was really cool to see that I didn't do that work. 
I wasn't going on the streets evangelizing. This child was like, wait, I have tasted and seen something good. And I want other people to join me in that. What good news is that? Once again, God is with us and he loves us. Once kids know that, they're unstoppable. Once we know that as adults, we're unstoppable. As adults, we, we complicate things, right? We just make things bad. But with kids, <laughs> once they know that God is with them and that he loves them, well, big things. Because one of the really big things that I want you all to get is that God doesn't discount anyone based on their age. Not a soul. David was a simple shepherd boy who was called by God to defeat Goliath. Samuel was called in the middle of the night to be a prophet of the Lord. Miriam, she saved her brother Moses' life, and that led exactly to the liberation of the Israelites from Egypt. And even Jesus. We see in one story when he was 12 years old, his parents lost him. Then they're like, oh, Jesus, where are you, right? And he's like there revealing great wisdom to anyone who would listen to him. These stories of faith from the past are pretty encouraging. And what's even more encouraging is actually we're seeing these stories unfold right before our eyes. Right now downstairs, they are probably playing with Legos. They're coloring with markers. No paint. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> right? Um, they're probably making some friendship bracelets. They're probably just having a great time. We're starting curriculum next week, right? But I have to believe that even though they're just playing right now, that something good is happening, that something is bubbling up, that God is actually doing something in the lives of the kids downstairs. Some really good soil. It's some really good soil. Um, I love that verse, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, right? It's good stuff. I'm going to invite the worship team up. You guys can come on up. I'm going to talk a little bit more as they come up. But here at ECB, we talk a lot about the reality of our lives, um, how the kingdom of God is here and not yet. That, too, is part of our story, right? Our story is that God is with us and that he loves us and that he's coming back again. Um, this waiting and hope for Jesus' return uh, it's just captivating. It's what gives me hope that one day he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death will be no more and there will be no mourning, no crying, no pain and for the former things will have passed away. We hold on to this hope but as we wait on the Lord for this very much to happen, we don't just have to sit and do nothing. And I think kids get that more than adults sometimes. <laughs> In Luke 18, 15 to 17, Jesus blesses the children. One day some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. Then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. 
So I have some invitations for you all. Todd, you can come on up too. I want you all to think back to your childhood. I know for some of you that's very hard, and that's a lot, and so there's a lot of grace, right? Do what you can. But I want you to think about who was sowing the seeds of the kingdom in your life. And I want you to just take a moment and give God thanks for that person or those people. Give God thanks for that. I also think another invitation is that some of you actually need to receive prayer today for those childhoods. There's some, there's some hard stuff. I can like feel it. There's some hard stuff in here. Maybe you didn't know that God was with you and that he loved you, but you know it now. Even if today is the first day that you've heard it, God is with you and he loves you. So please make sure when our prayer ministers come that you receive prayer that you actually just rest in the love of God.